Awesome. Welcome to the New Street X podcast. I'm excited to have here today the one and only G Money. G Money is an influential NFT collector, investor, and builder whose projects range from Admit One to 9DCC. He's worked with Adidas, launched an inaugural NFT collection. It's an overall thought leader in the space, working both with big brands and also a lot of Web3 crypto native folks in the space as well. Thanks so much for being here, G Money. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I, um, I'm excited to be on. Yeah, no, this is great. I'd love to start with, let's say from the beginning. I mean, I've, I've heard you on a few other podcasts, did a bit of research, but I know your background before NFTs was in finance. You're an equities trader, if I've got that right. Could you maybe like explain a bit more, like, let's say G-Money pre-NFTs, and then how did you first get into this space? What was that process? What was your inspiration? And what was your motivation? Yep, so... um when I got into the space, it was August of 2020 and uh, NFTs almost immediately made sense to me because at the beginning of quarantine, I was playing Fortnite and I started playing with my friends. You know, I hadn't played a video game in over 10 years and I was playing with my friends. Uh, one of them had a 12 year old nephew. And the first thing that this kid asked was, what skins did you buy? And I was like, skins, like they don't give me any special powers. Like why on earth would I buy any skins? And then I fast forward a couple of weeks and I'm buying a bunch of skins and I realize that there's going to be this massive super cycle of that kid's 12 years old today, 10 years from now, he'll be 22 and he'll be totally okay with owning uh, a purely digital asset. So uh, at the time I didn't know what NFTs were. I was in crypto. I've, I've been in crypto since 2017. And, um, you know, I, I just was like, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to be able to harness this super cycle, but there's, there's definitely one coming. And it was when I found NFTs in, in August that like that light bulb moment went off. I was like, oh my God, this is your skin on Twitter, on Discord, on Telegram. Uh, this is going to be, this is going to be massive. And that's when I really started going down the rabbit hole uh, for NFTs. And it sounds like, I mean, that sort of understanding of digital items, like in this case, obviously skins, that's something where even though each day that goes by, it's becoming more common knowledge that the value of something could be digital. That wasn't always the case. And I'd guess, I'd venture to guess like in 2020, it's not as if all your friends were, were also buying skins, probably not, probably just like a small group. Uh, when it came to that point in time, like there's a difference, I guess, between saying this is interesting versus, you know, going all in versus uh, taking it seriously versus just throwing a bit of money into crypto versus getting into NFTs. When you realize the opportunity there was was real and you could see the analogy with like video games, for example, at that point, did you think, okay, this is a hugely massive thing. I need to go all in. Were you a bit more cautious? Because I guess also given your, your finance background, you're trying to make like risk adjusted decisions as well, right? You're trying to be somewhat sensible and figuring out, is this a good investment? Is this a, a shot in the dark? How did you kind of think about that? And what did you decide to do next to actually get in the space? Yeah. So, you know, I obviously didn't go all in your you never should go all in no matter what it is, right? Yeah. No matter what trade it is from a risk management perspective. Uh, but I did say to myself, okay, there's a certain amount that I'm willing to risk in in this particular asset uh, and this sub asset. And a lot of it stemmed from the fact that I was, as I looked at, you know, this is in August, September of 2020. Um, we had just started printing money in March, right? And we were at the beginning of all, uh, COVID uh, stimulus checks and, and all that stuff, you know, I, I you know, the, literally the day uh, Jerome Powell announced that he was going to be um, like basically buying bonds, uh, I wired a ton of money over to Coinbase and I bought, bought a bunch of Ethereum. And this is now a few, you know, 
six, five, six months later, or less than that, four months later, and I find NFTs and I'm like, okay, on a risk adjusted basis, this is probably the best trade I can make on the planet right now that I have available to me. And, you know, when I look at it, it was like, okay, if I view um, crypto in general, Ethereum and Bitcoin as options that don't expire, and I'm able to get an option on that option, the convexity on that trade, if I'm right, is going to be incredible, right? And so um, as I thought about it, it's like, okay, the most I can lose is 100% if I'm wrong, right? Uh, and the most, and, you know, the upside to that is, you know, multiple hundreds, if not thousands, or maybe 10,000 percent if I'm right. And so um, that's basically how I looked at it at the time. It was maybe a couple months after that, that I realized it was going to be even bigger than I thought it was going to be. And that's when um, I was like, wow, like this is, you know, I thought this was to be a, it, it turned from a trade into, let's say, a longer term thesis at that point where I was like, okay, this makes a lot of sense. And and clearly, you know, you fast forward a few years, you've got, you know, at this point, several NFT collections, projects you're attached to, you're a very public figure in the space now. At the time, did you think about this as something that was like a going to be a, a career for you? Like, how did it turn into you actually becoming involved in so many different projects versus that first time when you were just buying some NFTs? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it was just an evolution of me seeing one, just seeing the world a little bit differently than a lot of people at the time and, and saying, okay, this is how I'm going to maybe carve out my niche. And, you know, I thought, um, that this was definitely the future uh, of digital ownership, but I didn't realize it would happen as quickly as it did. I, you know, when I bought my CryptoPunk ape, um, I, I, I said, I'm going to sell this in five years. Right. I, I didn't, I, I, for me, it was initially a trade. And I was, I remember joking with a friend is like, I'm going to sell the first crypto punk at Christie's or Sotheby's in five years. And lo and behold, uh, you know, punks were, were on sale at Christie's in, in five months. So, you know, I, I started realizing that it was going to be way bigger than, than I originally thought. And the progression just happened, you know, very organically and naturally over time. At the time, were you, was G-Money like a persona you had taken on prior to this? Was this related to, I don't know, like a nickname? Where where did that come about? And Because now evolved into like a, a brand, of course. Yeah, G-Money was a, a nickname that I've always had since like high school. You oh, know, my, nice. my name starts with G and, you know, a lot of people were calling me different variations of that uh, when I was younger. Now... I, I think about, and let me know if you characterize this as, as correct, but I think about the stuff you do in kind of like three buckets. Like one, a lot of what you do seems to be based around like education, bringing people into the space, like a lot of your tweet threads describing like value in NFTs and things like that has, has some gone viral. Two, I think about some of the collaborations you've done, like with Adidas being the most, the biggest one as partnering with quote unquote traditional brands that might need to be shepherded into this, but obviously are very important players in the space. And then the third part, I think about like some of your own projects, like, you know, 9DCC, uh, Admit One, uh, I think about those being maybe your own sort of creative manifestations of like what you see and you want to build as like an individual and as a brand. Uh, is that like a, a fair way to characterize the, the, the sort of buckets that you spend your time on? And if, and if so, like, can you walk me through like how each of those like first came together? Yeah, so, you know, I, I'd say in terms of like my time spent nowadays, 90 CC takes up 90, 95 oh. of my time. Um, just because I, I just, and the conversations that I've had is one is, is the thing that I find the most interesting and compelling and uh, have the problems that I think are, are the most fun to solve. 
uh, in terms of scalability and things. But then also, you know, it just from the conversations I've had with so many people in the space, a lot of it, you know, really stem from, okay, here I am having a conversation about something that maybe I'm, I'm trying to help this person get to where I am and understand things to the point that I understand it. And rather than try to convince somebody, why not just do it, right? Whether it's, you know, a major brand or somebody that's just not in the space that doesn't get it. It's like, okay, this is my vision. Let me execute on my vision. And, you know, hopefully people will then see what I'm doing and be like, oh, now I get it. Because it's one thing for me to tell you, oh, oh, I think this is a good idea. I think you should do it. And it's another thing to actually do it. And then people will be like, oh, wow, there's actually some product market fit there. Let's, let's go and really lean into this. And I'd say like personally, from what I've seen, the sort of overlap between fashion and Web3 NFTs is where I see a lot of product market fit versus many other verticals. Uh, I know that you've talked a lot in the past about, you know, I think I heard you on other podcasts talking about the sort of Jeff Bezos quote. It's like, no, don't just talk about what's going to be different in 50 years, but what's going to stay the same. And as human beings, you know, we'll always be looking at things like fashion, identity, culture as ways to express ourselves. So I, I know you've explained this before, like on other occasions, but I'd love to just hear maybe from your own words, what was the founding story, if you will, about 90CC? And then what's the vision for the future? What you'd like it to be, like, let's say five, 10 years from now. Yeah. So when I started 90CC, it was really for, for three main pillars. The first is I wanted to make an aesthetic that I personally wanted to wear, right? So I'm known as G-Money, the crypto punk ape on the internet. But that doesn't necessarily mean I want to walk around with a big picture of my CryptoPunk on my chest. I wanted to, I wanted to wear, I wanted to make something that could signal I'm a crypto native, uh, but I also, you know, have good taste in quality. In I also care about the quality of my clothes. I like, you know, like the, the way uh, I present myself and and whatnot. And I just didn't see an aesthetic out there that spoke to who I am as an individual. Two is, you know, anytime you buy anything that. Um, for any amount of money, whether it's a purse, a pair of sneakers, a watch, whatever, I, I'd like to know as a consumer, I'd like to know how many of them exist, right? And I'd like it, you know, what better use case for decentralized ledgers than uh, literally proof of provenance, right? Of saying, okay, you bought this, this this product is one of X, right? And not one of two X, because that that definitely changes the value and the scarcity of that product long-term. And three, and this is where I think things get like really, really interesting and compelling with, with what we're working on, is once that product is out in the wild, how can then you start building community on the community layer, right? IRL, right? And what I mean by that is like, I, I think you see a lot in crypto where people are building communities online in Discord, in Telegram, but there's no real way to bring um, that IRL community experience on chain. And I think one of the cool things, you know, with, with any 90cc product that you run into in the wild is you can go up to it and, and you, could, you could really mint an NFT from that product. And, and that acts as uh, proof that you met that product in real life, um, you know, and, and allowing people to create this social layer in the real world that they're already interacting with, right? And I think to me, that's like a really compelling use case. And I, I see like a strong use for adoption with that. No, I'm, I definitely have like several questions about the community element and how you've approached that. But maybe even before that, I'd love to know, I mean, fashion is, is this a fascinating industry, of course, and you have like a whole range of types of fashion companies. Uh, when I think about the way you like articulated what you just said, I can see, you know, inspiration from places 
like let's say Birkin bags, for example, which are like a limited edition fashion item. Of course, streetwear, like Supreme drops being a very prototypical way people are ascribe value to something and obviously more modern hot brands like like Cortese, Emilion d'Or, et cetera. And then also you have like all the luxury fashion brands. When you were thinking about putting together, let's say the strategy for 9DCC, do you, do you have like brands you're already like in love with that you're inspired by? Like, are you like a hype beast kind of like, you know, fashion person previously? Are you more like into luxury fashion? What's your kind of inspiration that came from this? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I inspiration wise, I think, you know, Virgil and everything that he did at Off-White yeah. was obviously super inspirational. Uh, Margella from like a longer term perspective in terms of, I think, I think he's probably influenced fashion probably more than most, almost any designer in the past 30 years, uh, which I think has been incredible. And, you know, I, I guess on, on the more, the more recent terms, like I love everything that, you know, Jerry's doing at fear of God, uh, ALD awesome is like a New York city brand, but you know, it's, I, I think it just, it really runs the gamut, right. Of like, you know, there's, there's also things that I like from the luxury, uh, fashion world, right. Like, you know, your, your Dior's and your Prada's and, and the things that they're doing and, just really like learning and kind of just creating my own experience out of it of, you know, doing cool shit. Right. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, mischief is a brand that I think has been doing yeah. like really awesome stuff. I, I always, I always reference the, um, the ATM machine that they had at our Basel, which yeah. I thought was genius. And I thought was like an amazing experience. Right. And like, I think that that, I think that that's one of the things that I, I'm noticing is that people want experiences, right? It's like, it's one thing to to make a hat or a shirt, but part of that is like, what does this mean when I wear this hat, you know, or this shirt, right? And so, you know, what does that mean? What, what does that mean about who I am, about the community that I'm a part of and the things that I can access, right? And the the experiences that I can tap into because of that. I, I know you've put on a lot of events, whether that like they're attached to like big NFT conferences, like NFT Paris or whatever that involve things like like interactive experiences, like scavenger hunts or like POAPs, et cetera. And it sounds like you've been growing a strong community, you know, over time. What, but I also know that community building is, is difficult, right? There are also times when people like building in public, particularly in Web3, I think sometimes one of the downsides is that people can be pretty critical, right? If they own your NFT, there's also like, ups and downs, like, oh, what about this floor price, et cetera. So I guess I'd love to know, like, one, what are some of the things that you've learned, like maybe mistakes or things that have gone well that you didn't expect to over the last year? And how do you balance those expectations? Because, I mean, it's also the same in streetwear. You know, sometimes people can drop how hot your brand is very quickly. So community is great. I also know that there's like kind of ups and downs and you, you obviously face the brunt of it, whether it's positive or negative. So like, what are some of the lessons you've had over like, let's say the past year being the leader of this community. Yeah, I think um, on the positive side, I've been really pleasantly surprised at how the community is self-organized and been able to to really drive behind the mission of, you know, I have the I have the vision that I'm working towards, but then also how how can I empower the community to kind of build, you know, like the world that they want to see and help empower them. Right. And that like, for instance, like even like putting the, the PO apps on the, the shirts that we did is like, this is something that I was doing and I'm like, okay, like how can I make it? So, you know, to do this at scale so that it, it goes, grows just beyond me and the people that I met meet IRL. Right. So that was one, uh, two is, you know, in terms of like lessons learned is, I mean, running a community is pretty, pretty brutal. People are, 
are very honest with their feedback. And, and I, I think people don't realize like just how, how, how much like a founder or even a celebrity uh, can take something uh, to heart. Right. And it's like, it, it's, it's really interesting because I think now I have a lot more compassion for people that are always in the news that um, are targets of criticism, whether it's in politics, business, fashion, whatever it is, or just being a celebrity, because I'm sure like they read all that stuff. And like, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't think anybody really wants to go out there and be like the world's villain. So when, when people are going out there and are being like really nasty, I don't think they're, they're realizing just how much something like that can hurt and, you know, either disenfranchise somebody or make them feel down or, or whatever. So I think that that's been definitely like a learning experience that's taken getting used to, you know, I've spoken to other founders and been like, I don't know how you do this because I, you know, I've seen people come at you really, really hard on Twitter. And, you know, they think that because they bought um, an NFT that they have the right to really decide how the business goes long-term. And I think there's like the balancing act of, listening to your community, but then also understanding that their interests aren't always aligned with the greater interest of, of the business. Right. So uh, a lot of times people worry about the floor price and they're like, well, what are you doing to pump the floor? And it's like, well, long-term we're doing these things that I think will help the floor, but you know, I'm not going to be doing something that's going to be like, Oh, here's a huge announcement so that the floor pumps and then it's not long lived. Right. That, that to me is not a sustainable business. And I just think you have to, you have to listen to the, the criticism and take the feedback, but also understand that, you know, sometimes you have to take things with a grain of salt because they don't necessarily know the entire vision they're operating on. They're, they're making this, they're making commentary based on limited facts. Uh, and also their, their outcome might not be the outcome that you're going for. Right. And you see this a lot with publicly traded stocks, right. Where, you know, one of the reasons why Elon Musk took Twitter private and didn't buy, you know, just a large stake was because he no longer needs to meet quarterly earnings revenues, right? And so that that is a huge difference in how you operate the business because, you know, there could be an argument that's made for, you know, whilst publicly traded companies that have to hit earnings numbers every quarter are man are going to be managed differently than somebody that's like, well, you know, we want a stronger, uh, better business ten years from now. And if that means that we make an unpopular decision today, if what if we think that leads to a better business in the future, then we're willing to do that. And I think you're kind of seeing that a lot in the NFT space where um, it, it's very similar to that. Right. And people are able to voice their concerns in real time um, in a discord. And, yeah, it, it's it's been interesting. It's a learning process. Um, I, I think it gets better over time. But, you know, I think a lot of it is like an expectations understanding of, of, you know, what it means to be part of a community. And, and it's interesting. You see different NFT communities react in different ways, like varying degrees of support, harshness, and then you see different founders and teams reacting in different ways. Uh, I'd love to know. So I, if I remember, if I got this correctly, like the last major drop from 9DCC was the Art Basel. Like what's the, the roadmap for like this next year, the coming years? And then even again, to paint like a, like a, like a vision here, um, considering your inspirations, I, I know there's probably no like direct analogy here, but is, is like the goal to be, okay, the web three off-white five years from now, you know what I mean? Like, or a slightly more accessible brand. Just love to know, like, I guess the, the, the short-term roadmap and then maybe thinking here, like, do you, like, are you the next, like, is Virgil the sort of path you're trying to like carve out, you know, or whatever that is. 
yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't compare myself to Virgil by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> cool, yeah. I think he's definitely a great, a great model uh, to, to try to, to model myself afterwards. And, and, you know, when I see what he was able to do and really open up uh, the streetwear culture and bring it to, you know, the luxury level, I think that's really cool. Right. And I think he kind of showed pretty much everybody in, um, in our generation and younger that, you know, you can do whatever it is that you want to do, you know, as long as you work hard and, and you have that goal and that vision. And so when I, when I see that is, you know, I, the, one of the things I really would like to model myself after that, that he did really well was as he elevated himself, he was also able to create a platform that he could then elevate others from. Right. And so it's like, you know, what can I do? Um, one, you know, to, to get NFT culture and crypto culture out there, but then also like, how can I also find people that I think are super talented and do something awesome with them as well? And I think that that uh, was one of the beautiful things that he did in terms of uh, what, you know, I have planned. So uh, at NFT NYC, we're dropping iteration three, uh, okay. which is a hat, you know, and that's, that's going to be on April 12th, um, where we're doing a takeover of, of some of a bodega in New York City. Uh, on the 12th and, and more details will be coming out on that. So I'm excited about that. Um, you know, it's, I think it's going to be a really cool, fun event. I'm originally from New York. I lived in Manhattan for 13 years and uh, a New Yorker, New York is a real, real big part of my identity of who I am. And so I, I think it's going to be a fun event and I'm looking forward to it. Do you, do you plan out like, and I actually know the the answer here, but like in terms of like the subsequent drops, is that something that is more, kept hidden or you've planned out like in your head, okay, here are like the 12 next drops or is it much more like kind of go with the flow? It's way more go with the flow. I think, you know, because of the nature of we're dealing with, um, you know, physical goods, you have to be planning out at least a few months in advance. But I, I will say it just kind of also, we have a lot of opportunities that come to us and because of the way crypto moves so quickly, um, a lot of them come to us last second. So a lot of it's trying to figure out, okay, well, how can we do this drop, you know, relatively quickly from a manufacturing stand uh, point of view? And so it's, it's been interesting, but you know, where I'd say our, our backlog is, is starting to kind of like uh, go, go further out. Uh, but also, you know, I like, I like trying to keep that optionality of like, if there is a really, really good opportunity and something that really is hitting the zeitgeist, what can we do? Right. And I think that's one of, one of our, one of our strengths is the fact that because we're so small, we can afford to move so quickly. Right. And we don't need to necessarily get like tons of sign off from, you know, all the higher ups. And, you know, we have billions of dollars worth of brand equity that we have to worry about anytime we partner with somebody. And so I, I think because of that, it allows us to move quickly, but, you know, we do have, you know, some of our, our other drops coming. Would I say it's 12 drops out? No. But, you know, it's a, it's a couple of drops out. But, you know, part of it, too, is I think, you know, you don't want to tell the entire story way up front. Right. And, and not really have the surprise and delight, because I think that's I think that's part of that's part of it as well. Right. What even, you know, whatever it is, if it's your favorite brand or whatever have you, you know, like it's like, oh, shit. Like, did you see, you know, the new fear of God, you know, Birkenstocks that are coming out like I was. I was really fired up for those. And I was like, I can't wait to buy those. But like, you know, I think it's, it's just stuff like that. And like telling the story uh, as we see fit, but then also, um, you know, trying to, trying to keep people um, like anxious with anticipation almost. Right. No, I, I like that point about, 
you know, being a smaller, more flexible team versus like a massive multinational corporation allows you to move more quickly. I know you also have worked with, I mean, Adidas probably being the biggest example of like a fashion footwear brand that you've worked with, you know, without needing to like say what they've, they or other brands have done well or not so well. Uh, I love to know, like, because also you think about stuff like, I'm thinking about like Dolce Gabbana have launched NFTs at this point, you know, LVMH and crypt, like, sorry, CryptoPunks and Tiffany. And there's, there's a lot of examples that we can start picking from more and more as time goes on, which is good, I'd say overall, but, you know, arguably you could, everybody has an opinion about what is bit better or not as good uh, in terms of success. I'd love to know, like, what's your take on, and I'm sure you're obviously you're still involved in this and maybe some of this can't be shared, but what's your take on like Adidas's strategy right now? how it relates to them. And then maybe there, are there any other brands that you'd look to in the fashion space that you've seen get into web three that you're like interested in that and what they've been doing recently? Yeah. I mean, I think Adidas has been, you know, I know they've been working on their roadmap. Uh, I know they have an event coming up, I believe is on the 25th in, in Berlin uh, that I know that oh, yeah, the, yeah. the team is really excited about. So um, I think we're going to start seeing some cool news co come out of there. Um, and so I'm looking forward to it, uh, both as, you know, uh, as a member of the community and as, as a partner. So I, I, I'm excited for the things that they're doing. I think, um, I, I really love what Tiffany did with the crypto punks. Um, I, you know, I, I bought one, um, and I, I love wearing it and I get compliments on it all the time. And it, it's really interesting because also like it's been, people notice it outside of the NFT space. You know, I like literally I was at a party in in Paris for Fashion Week and somebody was like, oh, my God, that's like the Tiffany CryptoPunk. Like there's only 250 of them. And like people like, no. Right. Even outside of the space. So I think it's been I think it's been cool. I think a lot of brands are are experimenting. And I know from the conversations that I've had, a lot of them are moving and and taking their time and being thoughtful about what they're doing. But again, because they're large brands, they're going to they're going to be they're going to be slower to to react. And um, I think that that is like a real big competitive advantage that I have um, with 90CC is that we can afford to move very quickly and um, and maneuver maneuver very nimbly through the space. I'm interested to hear about your experience in Paris because I know like NFT Paris is happening, Paris Fashion Week, and I'm sure you talked to a lot of people. And you know, obviously France has a lot of French brands that are massively important on a global scale. Uh, first question on that, and I've got a few others, but What's your take right now? Like, let's say if you got, because LVMH, you know, as I understand it, it, it's a holding company of several fashion brands. And you also have like Caring and all these other major like fashion conglomerates. If you took like, let's say all the CEOs, and the reason I say CEOs is to kind of understand what the importance of the bottom line is, something like NFTs. Like if you took the CEOs of all these major fashion brands that under, underneath like, I don't know, L'Oreal, LVMH, Caring, et cetera, from your experiences so far, would you say that like, I don't know, 90% of them are totally like, wow, NFTs are great. Would you say 1% of them feel that way? 9% are like, this is still like weird to me. I don't get it. Like, what's your take on the overall like thermometer barometer of let's say fashion leaders in like, let's say just French luxury brands right now? Um, I couldn't really answer that because I haven't spoken to many of the CEOs, right? Um, for the most part, my conversations are probably stopping at the CMO level at the highest. Um, but, you know, it's, I, I'd say they're all varying degrees, right? I think some people are, are leaning into it. Some people are like, oh, no, like, we're going to wait and see what happens. Um, 
I, I think just like anything, like if you were to ask, you know, some random person on the street, what do they think of NFTs? You'll probably get, you know, if you ask that, that question, you know, 10 times, you probably get, you know, five to seven different answers. And I think the same thing will be, would, would be said. I will say uh, one of the refreshing things at NFT Paris was that I was talking, I was talking and having conversations with brands that I might otherwise um, expect not to, to be looking at the space. So to me, that's a good sign. And I think that that is a good sign of things that are to come, even if they're not imminently moving into the space, the fact that they're at least, you know, doing some research and putting in some man hours to me is super positive. I, I wasn't, I, I live in London, but I wasn't at NFT Paris. I had a lot of friends that went and it seemed like it was pretty popping. Like there was like a lot of stuff going on, at least from like social media. My friends were there. Uh, it's interesting because you think about, you know, just events, events in general, you know, I think, I think they could be hit or miss just in general. And also think about the NFT space right now. Wouldn't call it like all hype bull market compared to, let's say a year ago or something like that. What was your take? Like, were you surprised at NFT Paris in terms of, it sounds like you had some really good conversations with people, but as a sort of, again, measure of like the overall NFT space and just events in general, were you like pleasantly surprised? Did it feel like a good event? And what does it t make you feel about, let's say the overall market at the current state? Yeah, I mean, I thought, I thought it was a very good event. Uh, I thought it was well attended. I think, I don't know, there were definitely a few thousand people there. Um, so it was, it was definitely good. The energy felt great. Um, I think even more than NFT Paris, I wasn't at East Denver, but I heard that there were 25,000 people that were at East Denver. Yeah. And that to me is, is like beyond promising. The fact that, you know, we're in the middle of a bear market and 25,000 people showed up to build, you know, and learn about the Ethereum ecosystem uh, is really super positive. And I think that, you know, Part of it is you need you need a lot of people to be building out a lot of cool things on ETH, and then I think NFTs will follow. Like I I I believe that crypto tech is super foundational to the future of you know digital of, of sovereignty, individual sovereignty in the future, and I think NFTs are the Trojan horse that take crypto tech mainstream. So I think before you know, you want to create that foundational layer that's super, super strong from the tech perspective and then build awesome NFT projects on top of that. So the fact that, you know, we had such good turnout, not only at NFT Paris, but even more so at ETH Denver to me is, is super positive and, and has me really bullish on, you know, the next five to 10 years. Yeah. I really like that because not everybody I talk to, and I also put myself in this category, to be honest, like is, is as cognizant of all the elements of the ecosystem, you know, building infrastructure across crypto is super important beyond just awesome NFT projects. Uh, so I like that you're calling that out, you know, because like not always, that's not always the case. Um, are there certain companies that you're like, I don't know, inspired by, I, I guess, because I was going to ask you about companies like an NFT space, but also maybe talking about infrastructure, more of like the technology, like what kind of stuff are you inspired by these days? Uh, inspired by, I mean, I like, you know, I, I work very closely with 4k, uh, for wow. as a vaulting partner, nice. um, IYK as, as my chip partner. And, you know, I just think that, you know, there's some messaging, uh, solutions that are coming out. And for, for me, it's like, I just, when I look at this entire ecosystem and I say, holy shit, like this is, this is the future, right? Like I, I think I took out the first on-chain loan against a t-shirt a few months ago, uh, with a vaulted iteration one shirt. Right. And like, to me, like, that's the future. At some point in the future, people are going to be like, oh yeah, like 
you know, of course, I'm going to post my T-shirt as collateral to get access to, to capital, right? And like today, that's an unheard of thing. Uh, but I think at some point in the future, it will become a real thing. So I, I'm, I guess I'm inspired by like whenever I meet a founder that's doing something cool and I'm like, you know, I'm always like, all right, how can I implement this into my tech stack and do something that's really cool and, and fun and maybe like a little like zany and outside of the box? You know, like we have, we have um, brainstorming sessions like all the time with, you know, not only internally on the team, but also um, with partners of like, you know, what is the craziest thing you can think of? And yeah. then how do we figure out how to make that happen? No, that's, that's a great like thought prompt. What's the craziest thing you can think of? Um, that's awesome. I, I was, I mean, even in hindsight, things that sounded crazy to me a year ago that don't like as much now, like we've interviewed, for example, NFT lending companies on this podcast. And just the other day, I spoke to another startup similar to 4k where they're tokenizing physical collectibles, let's say magic, the gathering cards and creating like, you know, NFT representations of them, you know, StockX has, has launched NFTs, even though there was some controversy around that. And I think an interesting like Trojan horse, another one is uh, this. So I, I know this is a controversial topic sometimes, but maybe just the term digital. Some people hate that term. Some people love that term. But I, I really like the sort of like, let's say Azuki collabing with Am Ambush, Nike Artifact, the crypto kicks that come as a result of that, Deadfellas Wrangler, uh, the sort of connection between physical and digital beyond just purely a fashion item and then a digital version of it, but like an NFT project that's kind of acting more like a, in a way, like a fashion brand, because I think streetwear brands and fashion brands, they're kind of self-selecting particular communities. Um, I'd love to know, I mean, like out of the NFT projects and communities, let's say particularly PFP ones, obviously CryptoPunks seems to be like maybe one of your first loves and obviously a big part of your identity, but are there other ones that you're particularly close to or uh, excited by uh, other communities and what they're doing? Um, I mean, I think, I think all of them have different aesthetics and all are, are trying to do different things. Right. So um, for the most part, I don't really have that much time to really spend and be part of different communities because I'm building my own community. I'm building my own things in terms of brands that, and, and projects that I really like that I like their energy. I'd say D gods and, and pudgy penguins are, are two of, let's say probably up and coming projects that, um, are probably more affordable than than some of the others uh, that are on the board. But yeah, I mean, I, I think the energy I see coming out of those communities, I, I really I really fuck with that that energy and, and that vibe. I think maybe this is a good time for me to ask a question. Like a lot of people I interview, you know, if you work in NFTs or let's say cards or sneakers, sometimes that comes from like, let's say a childhood passion, right? Uh, and I think, did I get this right? I think I might've heard you on other podcasts saying, were you into Magic the Gathering cards like back in the day? Or like, were you a collector of things? I know, art, sneakers, other stuff. So I got the, ma the Magic that you were, were you deep in that like back in the day or? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, so I played I played Magic the Gathering for a couple of years. Um, and I, I don't remember how, but I, a couple of years uh, when I was younger, you know, I, I'm, I'm too old for uh, like sneaker drops, like when like real streetwear culture started hitting. Like if I was if I was in high school when um, you know drop culture existed, I I would have been all about it because I I definitely would have been buying sneakers and flipping them and and all that stuff. That that just didn't exist when I was in high school. Uh, that was probably like a couple years after I graduated. But but yeah, I mean I collected baseball cards when I was a kid. It just so happened that I happened to be collecting cards during the worst time uh, of card collecting. Uh, with regards to baseball. Or... 
that was like from 88 to 92 when like all they did was make a shit ton of cards so pretty much all my cards are worthless <laughs> so uh but yeah like I, but that was like a good experience because i remember i just remember during when i was younger like one of my favorite players i was a mets fan growing up and and one of my favorite players was like the shortstop on on the mets or third baseman on the mets and i was like oh man i'm gonna i'm gonna hold on to all his cards and be worth like a thousand dollars one day or whatever and you know you, you like they're worth like two cents or something now and i remember um you know taking that analogy to top shot when top shot was really going wild oh. at the beginning of 2021 and you know there were players that i'd never heard of that like their cards were going for like a hundred bucks. And I was like, yep, sold. I'm like, I, you know, I have no idea who this guy is. And, you know, I'm a casual basketball uh, fan. So uh, again, I, I also follow the Knicks. So no reason to watch basketball for the last 20 years. But, um, but yeah, I think it's, it's, it's been, you know, good to take those lessons that I had when, when I was a kid uh, and kind of apply them to the space now. Right. And understanding what does it mean when, you know, there's oversupply, um, you know, when, when is it the right time to take profits and stuff like that? So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been interesting. And I think it's, it's something that I think all of us as humans have kind of experienced in one, in some way, shape or form in terms of collecting something, whether it's cards, sneakers, stamps, rocks, seashells, it doesn't matter. Um, it's something that is inherent is, is something that humans inherently understand. I, that's something that, of course, at New Street, we really believe in. I think sometimes people struggle to identify themselves as a collector. But when you actually look at your behavior, you're like, oh, wait a minute. I don't call myself a collector, but I do have these hundreds of cards. Like, oh, actually, I was obsessed with that stuff when I was younger. Oh, I've got a bunch of these Fortnite skins, whatever it is. Uh, it's, it's interesting because when you mentioned, yep. like, the top shot, let's say, up and down, oversupply. You see that in actual physical cards as well. It's like, I remember when Tyler Hero, his when he was like in the NBA Finals Miami Heat, like he had that clutch game. Suddenly like his card price went up, but you know, overall he's not at a level of like a major star, but the hype also factors into, you know, the market price. And I also imagine, you know, considering your background in finance, you understand how the older I get, the more I realize, you know, finance, obviously there's data, there's logic, but there's also a lot of like, animal spirits, you know, and there's a lot of, you know, why is Tesla price the way it is? Why is Shiba Inu coin, et cetera? Uh, I, is that, I guess that's another thing I guess you take from your experience because imagine like working in finance makes you appreciate this in a way that, you know, not everybody who is in NFTs understands those like economics the same way perhaps you might considering your background. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, especially, you know, trading publicly, publicly traded stocks for as long as I have, uh, you understand the importance of narratives, right? And, yeah. you know, Tesla, you know, I, I never got long Tesla, um, but, you know, the narrative was this is the future of car manufacturing. And they were worth, at, at one point, they were worth more than the combined market cap of the big four. And yeah. they would yeah. make like one, like t one tenth or one hundredth the amount of cars, right? And yet they were worth more than all the other ones combined. So that necessarily doesn't make sense on its surface, but a lot of it was, you know, telling that narrative of, you know, these guys are going to change the future of, you know, how, how we uh, consider transportation 10, 20 years from now. And, and I think that those are the type of things I, you, I've seen it over and over again uh, through different cycles with different sectors where whether it's rare earths or semiconductors or electric vehicles, it's it usually, it, it, it's not always the same, but it, it's very, very similar. Well, I, I guess like, I know you mentioned 
crypto punks i think that was that the first nfts you bought or is it some other ones but um i you kind of mentioned no. it like okay was it was it what, what were the first nfts you actually bought the first nft i bought was a crypto kitty uh which God. i bought oh, a shard damn. of it on nice. uh, i bought i bought a a shard of it on niftex uh, okay. somebody was like, oh, like, you know, there was this NFT that got sharded and it went up like 500% and like buy some of these. I'm like, all right, cool. I bought some of them. It immediately went down 50%. And then I actually did some DD on it. And I was like, okay, like, all right, this is probably worth an extra two or three ETH or five or six ETH from where I bought it. Maybe I can buy it and then flip it. And yeah. I bought it. I, I bought everybody else out and I brought the shards back together and then I found Niftyfy, and I was like, "All right, well, I bought I bought everybody out for twenty five k. So I was like, if I get a ten thousand dollar loan against it, I'll take out a ten thousand dollar loan. I'll go along Ethereum, and then I'll repay back that loan um, in I think it was one hundred twenty days or ninety days or something. Yeah. And at the time, Ethereum was trading at around five hundred bucks. Turns out somebody offered me twenty five thousand uh, dollars for the yeah. Crypto Kitty, so I got a one hundred percent cash out refi. I went long uh, Ethereum at like 500-ish. And then I, I paid back the loan when Ethereum was around 1800 uh, within like three or four months. So like that was kind of like my first foray into NFTs. And then I just started going down the rabbit hole even deeper. Yeah, that's so awesome. I, and what I hear there too is like, what's interesting that I think also isn't talked about as much. And I think about folks that I've interviewed in the past, like NFT lending companies or uh, NFTX companies that are like in the intersection, let's say DeFi and NFTs. I'd love to know, like, are there topics, trends, and it's kind of a macro question here, so answer however you'd like, like in the Web3 space, like what are the sort of areas you're most excited about? I know you're focused obviously on building your own community and your products, but are there certain like trends or things you'd call out in any kind of space just that you're that you're pretty hyped by? Um, I think that NFT lending is, is yeah. pretty, very, very interesting. I think that that's going to be, a monster business over the next decade. Uh, and I also think bringing like real world assets on chain is going to be huge. And I don't think it's going to start with real estate. You know, I think it's going to be something like sneakers or, or clothes because there is no capital structure that exists currently, right? Like if I wanted to get a loan against my home, it's very like we have, we have those, those, those protocols in place. You know, you go down to the bank, you get a loan and you know, that that's, that's all done. But if I want to get a loan against my sneakers right now, yeah. there's no way to do that at scale, right? I can go down to my, my neighborhood pawn shop and maybe get, you know, a, a very predatory loan against it. But yeah. all of a sudden what happens if you can bring things on chain? I do think that zero to one moment happens on real world assets that currently don't have access to liquidity that will start getting access to liquidity over the next five to 10 years because of something like, like, you know, NFTs and crypto. Yeah. I mean, that's something that we, as I was saying, like focus on a lot is bringing real world assets on chain. I think to myself, collectibles are something that make a lot of sense to people where like there's, I've seen so many startups now that let's say are, are creating a sports card marketplace, but also have vaulting services and also vaulting services that allow you to transfer your, your physical baseball card into an NFT. And I think that's like, I, maybe one of the Trojan horses, like you were saying, where it makes sense to someone like that's not that big of a leap versus tokenizing an entire like building. I'd be like, whoa, that's, that might be a bit too much for me to understand as someone in real estate. So yeah, for us like that. And I know 4k is a company that's like similar to that kind of stuff. So very much makes sense. Um, super cool. Yeah. Now and like I, to, to that point, yeah, yeah, point yeah. right. Oh, sorry. To, the, to that ahead. point, um, 
one of the most interesting things I see with like the card market, right, is like if I have, you know, I, I remember, I think it was the Mickey Mantle card uh, that somebody bought for like millions of dollars. I'm like, there's no way that that guy's displaying that in his house, right? That's sitting in a vault somewhere. So that's like the perfect use case for an NFT. Like put that in, put that in a secured facility that, you know, is, um, you know, 100% protected, has air conditioning, you know, doesn't have to deal with uh, humidity and all of these things. And then you have an NFT that represents that and you can show off that NFT in like, you know, your social social media platform of your choice, whether it's in a virtual world, or on Instagram or whatever, but like that's not sitting on your mantle at home. So, you know, I, I think, you know, cards are, are definitely like another thing that, that definitely makes sense because the more valuable the card, the, the the less likely you are to store it in like a place where it can get stolen, right? Yeah, and, and even like lower end cards, right? Like the like if you have a thousand cards that are not millions of dollars worth, the idea of you like packing it up, like sending it through the mail, that sounds like super annoying. So even just if, if you could create like a more liquid market by securitizing cards, tokenizing cards, that makes so much sense to me. Um, and if you think about things like, you know, yeah. That Magic the Gathering cards, like your collection. I don't know if you still have that. You know, everybody has that story. Like, oh, I've got a binder at home. It's like my old cards. Like, yeah, you can probably keep. You do okay, cool. Yeah, you keep that like in a safe place. And then you think about also ways. I think what's interesting about TCG in particular is that you have uh, like IP. You also have like a game based around it. So like Magic the Gathering players, you have collectors. You also have people that play the actual game. You know, and the IP itself is being like reviewed and, and updated all the time. So to me, like that's another interesting area where obviously we have an, an interest in in, in in following that. Where these TCG companies, Pokemon's pretty forward thinking, but like Yu-Gi-Oh, Magic, and there's a whole other world of other franchises that are less well known. That to me has so many use cases for entities are just like beyond obvious, and I think they'll happen eventually. Right. Yeah. Totally. Um, now. I, I know we're kind of running out of time here. I'd love to to close with like the same last two questions I asked folks. Uh, first being, where can people find you? Of course, you know, share your website, Twitter, et cetera, all that stuff. And then second, uh, what's like one last message you'd like to leave with the audience? Oh man, one last message. Uh, so to find me, G Money NFT on Twitter, uh, 90ccxyz uh, for everything we're doing with 90cc. Uh, admit one is is the community the 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 community that's also uh, a part of everything as well so those are those are you know all three places to to find me where i'm the most active last message uh i would say that you know especially now in in the bear market is like now's the time to really like lean in and 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 do work right you know they say bear markets are for builders and i think anybody that's here in the space right now uh, is is probably is a builder, right? You're you're definitely an early mover. You're an early adopter, and I think um, really lean into that because everybody here has has a chance of of shaping, you know, what the future of this technology looks like. And it's not very often that you get that opportunity to do that, um, no matter how old you are. And so, you know, take advantage of that opportunity and and do what you can to make the world a better place. Amazing. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you. You can learn more about G Money and 9DCC in the show notes and learn more about New Street at newstreet.com. If you enjoyed the episode, please follow, subscribe, and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.